Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for this awesome day. And Lord, I thank you for everyone here this morning. Lord, I thank you for those who are worshiping with us online. And Holy Spirit, we thank you for new life. We thank you for giving us your word. And Jesus, we thank you that you are the embodiment of good news. You didn't come to condemn us. You came to save us. And Father, open up our hearts and minds to understand this passage, this verse that many of us know so well. Lord, may we see it in a new, clear, deeper, fresh way that only you, Holy Spirit, can teach us. Give me your words. Lord, bring encouragement, bring strength, bring comfort, bring conviction. And we ask these things in your precious name, Jesus. Amen and amen. You all may be seated. Megan, thank you so much for reading. Thank you. Well, I want to say welcome to everyone here who's worshiping with us here or online, those in the balcony. Wow, there's a lot in the balcony today. Usually there's hardly anyone anymore, so glad you guys are here. Is Ezekiel up there? Happy birthday, big guy. So you're my hero. So awesome. I'm so glad to see all of you all here. We are going through the, well, the verse, John 3.16. It's probably the most well-known verse in all of Scripture, and it is basically the embodiment of the gospel. And a couple of things I just want to draw your attention to. On the, black, on the two back black tables, we have a couple of different tracks. One in Spanish, Kenneth Jesus, who is Jesus. The other one, How to Live Forever. And these are gospel tracks for you, but also for you to give away and share with your friends, your neighbors, maybe coworkers who might not understand exactly who Jesus is. So feel free to take when you leave. Also, we have this amazing parent's guide for gospel conversations with your children. Now, I need this myself. This was written for kids, preschool activities, just Bible verses, amazing ways to dive deep with your littles in your home about what is the gospel. So anyway, those are on the welcome desk, the black tables. Take them home, work with your kids. Ezekiel, I expect you to do this with your mommy and daddy. Okay, buddy? All right, good. Awesome. Before we dive into John 3, 16, if you want to turn, turn your phones back on or open your Bibles, you can. I want to share a story with you. Back in 1859, I think it was June of 1859, a man named Charles Blondine. Here's a picture of him right here. He was the first person to successfully walk across a tightrope across Niagara Falls. It was 1,100 feet long. One end was 160 feet above the waters. The other end was 270 feet above the waters. So he actually had to walk up and down. According to reports, there were up to 25,000 people who came to watch him. And as he stretched and as he warmed up and as he amped up the crowd, supposedly he wasn't that coordinated, so to speak. But he asked, you think I could do it? People were like, yes, you can do it. So he got up on the high wire and he walked up and he walked back and he did it a couple of different times. With each time, the roar of the crowd was like, yes, you can do it. This is amazing. This is awesome. At the beginning, some just came to gawk, to watch, even to jeer at him and to make fun of him. But with every time he went back and forth, the crowd got more and more excited and more encouraged for the fact that he could do this. He didn't have any special security cables or anything. He then pulled a wheelbarrow out and he asked, do you think I could walk across with this wheelbarrow? Now, it wasn't a four-wheel wheelbarrow, a two-wheel wheelbarrow. It was a one-wheel wheelbarrow. He went back and forth and he even filled it with rocks. I thought about bringing my wheelbarrow from my house, but I actually broke it yesterday moving logs. You know, just as a stage prop. 
And he went back and he went forth with the wheelbarrow with rocks in it. Then he asked the crowd, do you think I could take someone across, someone getting in the wheelbarrow and going back and forth? And they're like, yes, you totally can. Okay, who wants to do it? No one came forward. Now they had watched him cross back and forth several times that day. They watched him even walk back and forth with a wheelbarrow full of rocks. When he got back, he even asked, who believes I could carry someone in this wheelbarrow across? And the crowd cheered, yes, you can. But when he asked, who wants to jump in and be the first one to do it? No one volunteered. You see, there's a difference, a huge difference between belief in the mind and belief that is activated by faith that will produce actions. Here in the United States, here in the West, many of us, we will say, I believe in this and I believe in that and I believe. But when it gets down to true faith belief of leaning your whole weight upon something, that's when many of us will balk at actually doing it. All of you right now have faith in the pews that are holding you up. And if you helped remove some of the pews last year, you know they're heavy. They're pretty secure. I doubt any of you who are sitting down right now got to your seat and thought, hmm, I wonder if this pew is going to hold me up when I sit down. Who thought that this morning coming in here? Did anybody think about the pews holding you up? Absolutely not. But see, when we have faith in Jesus, we sit down. We're leaning our whole weight upon him for salvation. The crowd in 1859 there at Niagara Falls, they all cheered and shouted and yelled after seeing several times Charles going back and forth. And yet when he asked for a volunteer, they all sat quietly like we are right now. No one coming forward. Today, we're going to talk about belief. The title of today is whoever believes. Say believes. Believes. Whoever believes. Here in John chapter 3, you see today as we talk about this passage here, as you walk out today when we finish, there's a tiny blue sign on our chapel as you walk out. And that is our mission statement. Engaging the whole person with the whole gospel of Jesus Christ anywhere, anytime, with anybody. These are our marching orders. They come from the great commandments and the great commission where we're commanded to love God with all that we are, to love our neighbor as ourselves and to go to all nations, making disciples of Jesus. And this simple mission statement encapsulates the great commandments and great commission. This is who we are as a church body. What is the gospel? It's all about Jesus. Right here in John chapter 3, there are three words that I want us to focus on today. Just three. Say three. Three. Now, Johnny asked you to say one earlier. So one, two, three. There are three words I want us to focus on. The first one is this. Everyone. Say everyone. And then kindness. And then believes. Everyone kindness believes. 
Right here, John chapter 3, we won't look at it, but in verse 1 and 2, Nicodemus, who was a religious ruler, he was the Pharisee of Pharisees. He was a religious leader in the entire community of Jerusalem and Israel. He was part of the Sanhedrin. And he actually ended up coming to know Jesus and to follow Jesus and to believe in Jesus, putting his whole weight, his whole life, betting his life on Jesus for salvation. But at this point in time in chapter three, he didn't believe in Jesus yet. Jesus had started to do miracles, was teaching, preaching. Thousands of people were flocking to Jesus. And Nicodemus was confused and yet extremely intrigued. And Holy Spirit was pursuing Nicodemus with his loving presence, bringing him eventually to faith. But this night here in John chapter three, he came to Jesus at night and he calls Jesus rabbi, which means teacher. Great respect. And they get in this big conversation about faith, salvation, being born again, the kingdom of God, the Holy Spirit. And as we've read the past three Sundays, Jesus in verse 14, he alludes to Moses when he was leading the Israelites and they're in the desert. And then right here in the most famous verse of all of scripture, we see it at almost every football game when someone kicks a field goal or an extra point. John three sixteen. Sometimes someone becomes a smart aleck and will put Fred 316. There is no Fred in the Bible, okay? But right here in the three words, everyone kindness and believes. Look at what it says in verse 16. And I know we know this verse, but as pastors of the eight campuses, we really wanted to park on this one verse at the beginning of this year because it, become, it can become so common. Yeah, I know John 316. I know it. I learned it in Nawana. I learned it at day camp. I learned it at VBS. But do we know it? For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. And we've looked at that. For God so loved the world this way. God's love, agape love, that he gave his one and only son, the uniqueness of Jesus, that everyone who believes in him will not perish, but have eternal life. Everyone. Some of your translations might say whosoever or anyone. What does everyone mean? This is the first thing. Everyone. Think about it. Everyone. What does everyone mean? Everybody. Whosoever. Anybody. Everyone. It doesn't matter how wealthy you are, how poor you are, how old you are, how young you are. Man, woman, rich, poor, black, white, brown, purple, green, blue. Every tribe, every tongue, every ethnicity, every language. We see it in the book of Revelation at the very end when John himself saw the throne room. And he saw standing on the throne was the lamb who is Jesus himself. And people from every tribe, tongue, nation, people group were gathered around the throne, worshiping him, praising him because he was slain and he was dead. He was buried and he rose from the dead, conquering death, purchasing us for salvation, purchasing us with his precious blood. So that right here, this promise, so that everyone, say everyone, everyone who believes. All of us have been offended and hurt by other people. And I can imagine that there are people in our lives who've hurt and offended us deeply and greatly. 
where we think, ugh, Jesus died for them too? Yeah. Jesus died for them too. You see, the second point is kindness. And you're not going to find kindness in this verse, the actual word. But God's kindness is showered all throughout this verse right here. What do I mean by that? There's a couple verses we're going to look at. In 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 4, I love this verse. And I might walk into some waters, some, some theological waters, and I've had discussions for years about this verse, and what about the elect, and what about the chosen, and what about the call. But look at this verse. It's talking about God who wants everyone, say everyone, everyone to be what? Saved. And come to the knowledge of the truth. God's heart is for every human who ever lives to be saved and come to the knowledge of truth, who is Jesus Christ himself. That is God's heart. It doesn't matter how wealthy they are, how poor they are. It doesn't matter how wretched of a sinner they are. When in reality, all of us are wretched. All of us are wretched. We all commit murder, we all lie, we all cheat, we all steal. And when I mean by committing murder, Jesus judges the heart and he's talked about it. If you call anyone a fool, you've committed murder. How many times do we commit murder on Interstate 24 or 65 or Bradley Parkway? We do it all the time. And I make light of it as a joke, but it is real. And so much of the time we'll look at like the wretched, awful sinners. Alanka, who's led worship today, was down on the border of Mexico this past week. And as she is talking about her experience there and what she saw, I get tons of images from my experience in Mexico. And I struggle with my hard attitude against the cartel, just being very honest. I'd rather have God string them up and pour his great judgment upon them and them not repent. There are people in our lives who we consider to be vile and gross and awful. And yet Jesus died on the cross for them. Why? Because God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. He desires for all people, everyone to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. And I'm not cherry picking verses. Peter says the same thing in second Peter chapter three, verse nine. When Peter is talking about God's patience, And how God prolongs his promises. Why? Because the Lord does not delay in any of his promises as we think. As some understand what delay means. But he is patient with you. Why? He doesn't want any to perish. But he wants all to come to repentance. God is a God of reconciliation and restoration. And he longs for repentance. Ezekiel, who's considered one of the harsher of the Old Testament prophets... I mean, he said some hard stuff about God's judgment. And there's whole chapters in the book of Ezekiel where God declares through Ezekiel, I don't desire the death of anyone, even the wicked. God's heart is for everyone to repent and to turn and to be forgiven, to be reconciled back to him. That is God's heart. Everyone kindness and the last one is believes 
These are the three words for today. God's heart and his longing is for everyone to repent of their sins and come to the saving knowledge of Jesus. He stands with his arms wide open. He did it for centuries with his people Israel before Jesus came, prophesying that one would come who would restore Israel and bring salvation to all the Gentiles. And most of us in here are Gentiles, which means we're not Jewish. He longs to adopt everyone. Romans chapter 2. Paul talks about God's kindness. Leads people. And when Paul is talking to the Roman church, he says, or do you despise the riches of his kindness? How rich is God? How rich is he? How much does he own? And I'm not talking about physical treasures, but I am talking about his mercy and his grace. Do we despise the riches of his kindness and his restraint and his patience? Not recognizing that God's kindness is intended to lead you and me and all of mankind to repentance. It's not God's fury that leads us to repentance. It's his kindness. It's his mercy. It's when we stand before him, we know we're guilty. And yet he says, I forgive you. I love you. Come back to me. There is nothing that can separate us from the love of God through Christ. The third word is believes. Now here in the States, the United States, we struggle with this word. We just give mental assent. But go back to the picture. Would you be willing to get into that wheelbarrow? That's where the line was drawn in the sand for those 25,000 people. They all declared and said, oh, I believe you can take someone across the Niagara Falls in that wheelbarrow. You can do it. Yes. All right, who wants to go first? Mm, not me. Let Kate go. Margie can do it. Brett can do it. I will watch first. Belief. In Hebrews chapter 11, the writer of Hebrews says it's impossible to trust. It's impossible to please God without faith. Belief is leaning, it's putting your whole weight, your trust, your confidence, everything that we are, it's leaning upon Jesus. As we talked about last week, God gave his one and only son, his life, his ministry, and then his passion. Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection is the only way that we can be forgiven and be adopted as sons and daughters of our heavenly father. It's not by our good works. It's not by becoming super religious. It's not by doing good things. It's not by giving your life to missions. It's not by giving most of your finances away to a ministry or church. Those are all good works. And we were created for good works. But good works that are produced by faith first in Christ and then allowing him to work and serve in and through us. But those good works don't save us. That's just the fruit of our faith. 
True faith will produce works. Jesus' brother James talks about that because faith without works is dead. If you don't see the spirit of Jesus living in and through you, if you don't see the fruit of Holy Spirit in your life, you might want to question if you really are part of the root. Because if you truly believe in Jesus, he will give you his heart and his mind to desire what he desires and to long for what he longs for. And those desires and those good works, they don't save you. It's Jesus who saves you. And in order to be saved, we must believe. Putting our whole hope in the life and death and resurrection of Jesus. First and foremost, for our forgiveness and our salvation. And then first and foremost, for our daily sanctification as Holy Spirit resides in us, changing us day by day. It's all about faith. Believing in him, trusting in him, leaning completely on him. Lift your feet up off the ground, all of you right now, please. You're putting your faith on those pews. Even for big men like Ethan, right? It'll hold you up. We put our whole faith in Jesus who died for us who rose from the dead for us and who is calling all of us and the entire world to come to him because he is the way. He is the truth. He is the life. And no one comes to the Father except through him. I want to invite the worship team to come forward. I want to invite all of you to stand up, please. And I've got a couple of questions and even comments to kind of ask as we move into the Lord's Supper. And these won't be on the screen, but you guys are smart enough to hear and understand what I'm saying. Here's my first question. And I know, I know a lot of you. I know your answer, and it's a good answer. Have you bet your life on Jesus? Have you put your faith in him, your trust in him as Lord and Savior? If you can't say yes, or if you're not sure, I want to encourage you at the end of our service to come talk with me. You can talk with Johnny. Some of us will be over here at Next Steps during the Lord's Supper. We would love to talk with you and pray with you about that. If you have questions about being saved, being forgiven, what does that mean? Don't leave here today without knowing. The second is this. Who in your life introduced you and led you to Jesus? If they're still alive, thank them. If they're not, thank the Lord Jesus for giving you people in your life to lead you to him. I'm sure there's more than one. I can tell my mom and dad right now, they're in heaven. I mean, I can't tell them physically, but they are some of the most significant for me personally. But I've got another dozen people that introduced me to Jesus. And I'm so grateful. The third one is this. Let us praise the Lord for his incredible grace and mercies in our lives. 
It is his kindness that leads us to repentance. He does not treat us as our sins deserve. May we truly understand that. The last question is this. Who in your life needs to hear the blessed good news that God loves them, that Jesus Christ died on the cross for them, and that he's inviting them, calling them to come and lean their whole weight on him for life and for salvation. Who in your life needs to hear this message? Neighbor, spouse, son or daughter, mother or father, grandmother, aunt, uncle, co-worker, who? We're called to go and share the good news.